chinesisches Tor. Der deutsche Spargelkult müsse enden. Germany's beleaguered defense minister has temporarily dropped his PhD Deutschland ist eine Perle der deutschen Industrie. Und ich glaube, das kann man nicht. Ich weiß, wie viel Liebe dahinter steht. Wenn Glühweinstände aufgebaut werden, wenn Wachstum. Spargelweltmeister ist China, denn die bauen 60 Mal mehr. Hi, it's Michelle. Hey, this is Ted. Welcome back to Spaßbremse. And for the first time today, we are joined by our producer, Isaac, on mic. Hello. He always does a great job every week with our editing and production. And <laughs> so we're excited to have him on the mic with us chatting today. Right. And audio production is not the only thing that Isaac does. He will also be crunching the numbers on election night for us at the live stream slash show. You know, some people call him the Steve Kornacki of Germany. I like to think of him more as like the German John King, but you, you can decide for yourself on Sunday night. So yeah, make sure to join us. Um, it'll be tomorrow by the time you hear this, Sunday the 26th at 5.30 p.m. at the bar Donau 115 in Neukölln. Also a stream for those of you not in Berlin. Details in the show notes. Uh, I prefer to think of myself as a Steve Kornacki of Germany. I, I already have the uh, the pants Uh, already okay, there'll go. be a poll at the end of the <laughs> night. <laughs> um, and today we have kind of a brief election update mini episode for you. There will be a full election recap episode right after it happens. But for now, we'll just give you kind of a recap of the recent debates, the trial, and I hate that I have to say <laughs> the septel. Seven-person debate. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Um, as predicted, they have been mostly really boring, but we watched them, so now we're going to tell you about them. <laughs> but first, uh, how about a little polling update? Ding, ding, ding. Um, so we've got not a lot change in terms of placement since we talked to you and with the Corner Spatey guys. Um, SPD at a polling average of about 25%, still in the lead there. CDU, CSU, um, the, the combo, the combi, um, is coming in at about 22%. So they've closed the gap a little bit. Um, a recent poll showed them like, like about two points behind. We'll see. Um, I don't want to give away my predictions because you're supposed to come on Sunday for that. But I'm just going to say I would not be surprised if Germans come home to the natural party of government, the CDU. And uh, for all that talk of the SPD comeback, we get another CDU in the lead. We'll see. They just really love them. And I'm wondering if they're going to be able to forgive some of Laschet's sins uh, and just say, you know what? This is our party. This is the normal times. We want our stabilität. And they go with the CDU. But... We'll see. Going down the line here, the Greens continuing kind of a long decline that they've had since uh, since early spring, where they peaked for a bit. They're now down to just 16%. This would actually be pretty, like almost a typical result for the Greens where they go, they start very high. And then as the election gets closer, they drop and drop and drop where everyone thinks, oh my God, the Green Revolution is happening. And then they don't actually do very well on election day, which is what happened in 2017. Looks like that's happening again. 
FDP and AFD trading places for fourth at about 11%. They're both hovering around there. Um, yeah, the, the various people with bad opinions, I guess, can just trade off and, and see who which extremely bad opinion party does better at around 11%. Linka not doing that well, polling at just about 6%, barely clearing the 5% threshold. Hopefully they do that. We'll see how that goes. The Freya Vela are hanging on at around 3%. Um, that would be very funny if they cleared the threshold. They've There's no way. They haven't been above it in any single poll, but y you never know. Uh, that would be that would be an extremely funny outcome. So I'm, you know, I'm not actually hoping they clear the threshold. They have very bad politics, but it would be funny. So moving on from the brief polling update to... The actual debates, we want to talk to you about the last two triels. Um, Germans like to have fun with this. Like they call a debate like normally like a like a duel, like a like a duel. Um, and so a three person debate with the now three chancellor candidates because the Greens were doing better. So they have CDU, SPD and Greens go to the debates is now a triel. And they we don't really know what to call the seven person debate from last night. We're calling it a septel. Um, yeah, the like Berlin. Well, well. I don't even know, but I think they said that as a joke. The Berlin like newsletter that I get emailed to me every morning. Septuel, we'll, we'll say that. And so we want to talk first the two triel debates. So the one from a couple weeks ago, Michelle, the the second of the three triels. Uh, what did we notice there? I guess we should also just say Olaf Scholz is the SPD, Annalena Baerbock is the Greens, and Armin Laschet is the CDU. Just as we run through our, yeah we'll be using uh, the last names as we run through these but yeah, just as a, as a yeah. little jog your memory there about it all right second trial we had schultz right out the gate getting criticized for not having a zukunfts team from the moderator like literally using the term that the cdu a made future, up a future team yeah. for, for just their cabinet picks right like that's right and and so so lash it the cdu had its zukunfts team and it included people like uh, uh friedrich matz who was like the arch reactionary of the cdu so the, it's like a bit of irony having your future team include a guy with social views from like 1955 and like economic views from like 1880 so and the moderator just seems so dismayed like but where is your future team? Like, what if, what, where, what are you not telling us? Like, what can we expect from you? It's like, what? This is not a thing that people. Germans think you can solve everything by just having like a little council of people to decide about it. And it's like, these, these teams are not going to do anything. So it was just like such a funny opening line of criticism to come at him at the start of the debate. Yeah. And then it was Schultz who used the term gigabit gesellschaft right i think that was him yeah that which is like this german obsession with like digitalisierung and like digitalizing the society but they speak about tech in the way that like a, a totally clueless like grandpa would and so it's it's so hilarious when they talk about this stuff like they just they have like no idea what any of these terms mean and mix in a bunch of like uh english like computer speak so it's this like weird technologically illiterate danglish that they're speaking and it's like the worst thing to listen to and always going for the alliteration when they can <laughs> yeah you know, they really digital digitales deutschland yeah, yeah, like, oh yeah. My gosh. <laughs> uh 
Um, I have a question. Yeah. Um, is this like a recent obsession in German elections and politics, like for this Digitalisierung? Is this like, or has this always been? I think especially since like last, the last cycle and then throughout these like last several years, it's like a thing that people keep talking about more and more. And like Germany, I think, yeah, for the last like five plus years has had like a lot of insecurity about their lack of digital proficiency relative to like the like Anglo countries, I think mostly. Um, and so, yeah, like this obsession with like digitalizing public services and like being a more like Zukunftsweg or whatever and, and all of this. And like it creates a lot of weird political outcomes because like they're so desperate to have like tech champions like the U.S. And so with a company like Wirecard, they're willing to tolerate what like clearly was a fraudulent company as like the, the FT realized this. Um, and, and published about it. But like the German government went to bat for this company because they thought it was like a huge German tech success because they're so insecure about not having good tech companies. And so they go to bat for this company that's like committing fraud, um, only later realizing that indeed it was just like a fake company, essentially. And and then, you know, it fell apart. But like it's so it's so weird to have the German government like taking the side of a fraudulent company against an actual like journalist of the FT, like what happened. And I mean, for voters, like they do have a point. It does draw people in if in your day to day life, your Internet speed is that of what Americans experienced in like the late 90s. Right. Like it is a problem in people's lives, but they use it as this flashy like catch all solve yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's like one of those issues where it's like a high popularity but very low salience kind of thing where like everybody wants like to be able to like do your Anmeldung online and get faster internet and whatever. But like it's no one's single like top issue. Like you're not going to the polls to vote for but like... But they sure act like it, especially right, right. the FDP. But I mean, this is like why like the FDP and Volt are combined for like 12% of the electorate. Like it's not a big constituency that's like tech is like their number one thing but so they all kind of say it because they know you're supposed to say it but it just seems like no one's really doing anything and yeah like this there's always this talk of like boosting startups and having a better tech sector in germany and so on and it just it, it all feels like a bit hollow um but yeah that that wire card thing actually relates to something that happened in the debate where Laschet was criticizing schultz for the wire card scandal because he was finance minister during this time there's a lot to criticize there. Like it's 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 definitely valid, and like the lack of oversight of this company um, definitely was a problem. But it's pretty funny because as we talked about on the last episode, Lashit and his son were implicated in PPE fraud. So it's like it's a bit of a pot kettle situation where it's just like all of these guys at the highest level of the biggest parties are like doing various types of fraud, and um, or you know allegedly in whatever you want to say. And Let's say allegedly. Yeah, yes. they're allegedly <laughs> committing fraud. There's been there's been allegations, and they're all criticizing each other, going back and forth. But it's like, man, you really want to open that can of worms? Like you're not. It's not gonna. You're not gonna end up looking good on the other side of that. I guess Baerbock ends up looking the best here because she only lied on her CV. She didn't actually lie. She to only like did the classic. Enrich herself. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So okay, I guess that's good. Well, it, it also seems weird for like Lashet to be criticizing Schultz about that, considering that like it was a like. CDU SPD government as well like it wasn't just well Laschet stakes his claim and that he's not in the federal government 
right? So he really has been hammering this point home, especially in the third and final trail and then in this like final larger debate being like, well, I'm not the one in government. Like, yeah, this was super funny. He's like trying to play the outsider. Yeah, so a vote for me is a vote for change. Yeah, it's the same. Like, Dude, your party has been in power for 16 years. Like, what are you talking about? I, I don't think it's landing that well, but it's like a, it's a very funny tactic. Yeah. Speaking of hollow, we had Baerbock in the uh, second trial. Oh, God. She, she was offering people 75 euros a year to compensate for the increase in fuel prices that would be associated with a green government um, saying that, (laughs) I don't even know know what she was trying to say in what context did. uh, She she was trying to say like, we're watching out for people. Like we're gonna give you 75 bucks a year. Like we know this might hurt a little bit, but here's 75 euros. She was acting like it was an extreme amount of money, like such a generous gesture for them. Like have no fear, have no fear about the economic transition. 75 euros is coming your way. And like, like, no, yeah, no wonder people are afraid of like more climate policy. Like it's one of the like biggest problems is like, environmentalists have not made the case that the actual transition to a carbon-free economy is going to be good for them economically and that they're not going to pay more for fuel, that they're not going to lose their jobs and so on. And it's just like, this is so indicative of that problem. And this is not going to assuage anyone's fears, like 75 a year. Like, it just, it seems to represent like a whole bigger problem with the Greens program to me. Yeah, they're doling out scraps. Let's move on to the third trial, which was on, yeah, Sunday, whatever. Yeah, the most recent Sunday. Okay. At the third trial, it's funny because probably everybody stopped paying attention after the second one being so boring, like we predicted. And then the third actually had kind of a better format where they filmed regular people, well, how regular they really are, we can get into a bit. But regular people asking questions and the moderators were actually a lot more critical, I thought. Yeah, it, it was okay. The, the, I mean, they, they was, it was better. It, it kind of popped more than the other one, I thought. <laughs> this was the only one <laughs> that I actually watched. It, <laughs> it felt completely different to the second one. You have to, you yeah, have yeah, to yeah, admit yeah, that. I agree. It, they, they were asking some real questions like the very first question was not what was the first question in the second debate the Tukum's team team, exactly what we just spoke about and in the third debate that the first one was about they came out talking about minimum wage minimum wage and then into child poverty and stuff it was a bit more substantive yeah yeah but yeah Lashet was being really sneaky about this about the minimum wage which to be fair, like the the Greens and SPD have demanded a raise in the minimum wage to 12 euros per hour. Linka wants 13. Lasher was being sneaky about this. Um, he was like, no, I'm, I'm not in favor of a minimum wage increase, but it's because I'm so pro-union. Like, I want to strengthen the unions, not actually raise the minimum wage, which is like super disingenuous because obviously like the CDU is a is a party for employers and big business. They're not really a pro-union party at all. But also it's not like it's not like most people are covered 
or most people are in unions in Germany. Like there's a, a fairly small percentage is actually in a union. A larger range of contracts is covered by union negotiated contracts. But like if you're not on a collectively bargained contract and you're pro-union, well, it doesn't really matter. Like you still need a minimum wage to help you out. And so he's being pretty disingenuous with that. He was saying it would be unfair to the unions that sat down at the table and hammered out these like contracts. He, he like really was making a big spiel out of it. It's that same really, really gross argument that you hear from like right wing Democrats in the U.S. for why not to support Medicare for all. They're like, are you going to take away the health care of the unions that have negotiated so hard to get good health care? And you're going to do that to our our great unions. And it's like. Well, no, like if you give everybody health care or in this case, everybody a minimum wage, that increases the bargaining power of unions because the alternative is so much better. So they can fight for more on top of that. It's not it's not like having a minimum floor weakens the bargaining power of organized labor. It's the exact opposite. And yeah, he went on last went on to say some gross stuff. Um, they were talking about child poverty. And his whole thing was that we need to use education as the best tool to fight child poverty, which is such a fake argument because like, okay, whatever, you get a good education, you go to a good university, you get a good job by the time you're like 25, this is like a best case scenario. You were still poor as a kid, like you still had that experience. Not to mention that the fact that if you're poor at every single stage of educational and career attainment and progression, you're disadvantaged compared to your wealthier peers. So like, one, it doesn't help the problem in real time. Two, the odds of ever actually getting out of poverty are very low because of the fact of poverty itself. So like, you need you need to fix child poverty at the source, not just say, oh, get educated. Um, it You know, anytime you see this from, from like right-wing or centrist politicians to say like they focus on education, it's it's always almost disingenuous. Like, Obviously, I favor a well-funded educational program and system, but it's very weird because in the political discourse, when you see education, it's almost always used as a distraction from providing actual welfare to help actual people in need. You know, he, at one point he said, uh, he said, oh, child poverty is bad, but, and like, if you're using that phrase, like, it's it's over. Like, Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. But, but Baerbach did attack him on that right yeah she went out pretty hard that was pretty good yeah saying to have children in in hatsfia which is kind of this like you know ongoing trap of very low welfare payment as we talked about in our first episode saying that they're stuck in this cycle and actually like looking at it a bit more systemically not just saying like you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps like like lasha was saying what else was of note we had the moderator whipping out a Mickey Mouse magazine from, I believe, 1987 or... 93, maybe? 93, yeah. A while ago. Some, something along those lines. But the... And, like, this, like, Mickey Mouse magazine is, is a children's magazine and, like, a cartoon thing. And it was talking quite in depth about climate change, right? And she's, like, holding it up, being like, we've known about this for so long. Why didn't we do anything? And holding it in her hands, like like some artifact, and 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 it, I mean, it was kind of effective in the in the moment, but then it just made for the funniest screen grab. Of- right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Linda Linda Tefakis, formerly of uh, 
of Tagesschau. Formerly, now, what happened? She's on ProSieben now. Oh. Yeah, yeah, she, she, she switched. Um, and yeah, she's just like a, a quite famous news presenter in Germany holding up like a Mickey Mouse like comic book or something about climate and being like, what say you future she potential candidates? Facts, yeah. Like she brought the facts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the hard, the hard hitting questions we need from our journalists. So that was great. This is my pet peeve when Laschet or Schultz did this a lot too. They just start naming branches of industry yeah. in Germany, or they start naming <laughs> jobs. Auto industry. Yeah. Like, it's like, yep, those are those are all jobs, man. Good for you. <laughs> or the one that they did. I don't know in which debate this was, but Beckermeister, like the master. Baker. Wasn't, didn't didn't Laschet say that his dad was a Beckermeister or something? No, his his grandfather uh, worked in the steel oh. industry or something. I don't know. That that gives him so much credibility, I think. So yeah, that yeah, really I'm worked sure that on hits, me. I'm sure that uh, plays well in NRV. <laughs> but yeah, they just kind of rattle off these these jobs and think that like, that's it feels like a weird kind of like masculinity flexing thing of like okay i know i'm like a little soft boy that wears like a suit to work and just goes to meetings all day <laughs> but like i can name like big boy jobs that like drive <laughs> trucks and they get their hands dirty and heavy they, industry they lift heavy yeah. things like i know like and then it's like it's as if like that makes them like it kind of like, feels tougher like and like more real it kind of feels like the little um kids at my work when they're obsessed with the diggers and they go baga <laughs> like and they're like really like into it it kind of has that that's same kind vibe. of the job of a german politician though is just go around to various <laughs> factories and just be like auto i mean it's like that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or that picture of merkel where she's holding up a beaker of water <laughs> and they're like look at this great scientist <laughs> yeah she's a genius <laughs> um, wasn't she but yeah, she, what is like quantum chemistry anyway? Like you're not doing beakers <laughs> in that, are you? Like, no, <laughs> it's, it's theoretical. I think, it's yeah, like I not. don't think she's like she's not like mixing potions in the lab. Like, <laughs> but yeah, like Lashet, um, he was going on about like he was freaking out about what to do about all of our like all of our beautiful engineers in Germany and like what they're gonna do after you know we have a, a climate like a green transition. And, you know, like all these people designing internal combustion engines and all this stuff, like, you know, they're the best in the world. We have this expertise in Germany. You know, what, what are we going to do w without them? Like, what are, like as, as an argument to like not decarbonize, because there's all these brilliant people working in carbon intensive industries. It's a very funny thing to say, right? Because like conservative politicians in every other circumstance, if something bad happens to an industry or a region, they'll say, oh, well, just get educated, just retrain, just go do something else. If, you know, that's say like the, the China shock when like China joined the WTO and like a lot of industry was hit from that or any kind of technological change to say, oh, well, that's uh, that's creative destruction. You know, you got to you got to retrain, you got to do something else, find a new job. But when it comes to a transition to avert a climate catastrophe, oh, no, 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 we need to we need to save their jobs. We need to, like, keep this expertise in internal combustion engines. It's like, why? Like, why? Why for one thing and not for another thing? I mean, we know the answer. But and a green, a green energy transition would, like, lend itself. There's all these sorts of jobs that are very technical and, like, could exactly. maybe. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it should be a, probably a positive for, for employment like not not it's like not just like a huge deindustrialization of a region where it's like a net job loss like the jobs will be different but it's still going to be good jobs wrapping up the third triel we had I, it felt like it went on forever but it was probably about 15 minutes where all three of them are fighting about who's responsible 
for not or who's at fault for not delivering the air filters to schools for covid right that was like the most heated any of them got for non-german listener listeners germany has like this bizarre obsession with air filtration and ventilation and stuff like there's purity one could say i'm there (laughs) yeah there's some weird like homeopathic roots to this i think we need to dig more into it it's it's very strange but like for example like they're obsessed with like opening the windows and like air ventilation constantly like i'd be in like a when i was studying here i was in like a a lecture hall like 200 people and the professor every 20 minutes on cue would go to the like giant windows of this very old building and open these like huge probably like almost like eight meter high windows and like crack it and like interrupt his lecture and open it in like the dead of winter like february it's like minus 10 and like he would just like have to do the luften to like to like keep the fresh air in there like they're obsessed with having fresh air in the room i think it's a bit of like a health thing and a bit of a mold thing but like covid has added to this and like increased the luften neuroses because it's like yet another reason they're to keep vindicated. the fresh air yeah the, the german worldview is vindicated i'm my my low key conspiracy theory is that Germany invented COVID in a lab <laughs> in order to make everybody Lufthansa more. But um, we're, we're we're pending confirmation of that. I, I would like to do a whole episode on Lufthansa because like yeah, this is something to. that even like has permeated my like German Canadian family. Like it like. Uh, like cross generations like i remember growing up and my mother always being like we need a cross breeze like we need to like have all the windows open oh there's a whole science on it yeah. let's save it for an episode okay <laughs> the the other <laughs> um funny thing about this third triel was like i said they had some video clips from quote unquote regular people <laughs> just your regular germans that you get um pick they them had, out of a hat they had one they had one it was a it was a woman or a girl that the, her her t-shirt had like an arrow like an iphone like sliding thing and it said slide to unlock was just her shirt they had another woman that was just like who was like That's why so do sick. i why do i have to get a vaccine like they talk about the three the three g's like get tested genesen geimpft um tested vaccinated or recovered and she was like i'm the other g gesund like like healthy for why she didn't need to get a vaccine she she got banned from a parent teacher night because she wouldn't get tested and they were like you can't come in here without a mask <laughs> <laughs> and she and then she's up on on a national, national television. television being like i don't need any of that i'm i'm good like oh my god anyways but who i actually wanted to mention was this um this lovely oma who they had in in quite the cleavage <laughs> journal <laughs> and this woman has her phone and is trudging up the hill in the idyllic Bavarian, Bavarian village that yeah. she lives in and she's going out with the cows to and like holding her phone up to the sky looking for a signal and so her whole question was like when are we gonna be a digital Deutschland and <laughs> please help me I can't text my friends they had yeah it was I mean it's a fair question like it is funny like you go you cross the border from like Germany like if you're on the train and you like cross the border eastward to countries that like you'd like think of as like you know less developed or less advanced or something and like certainly Germans would think that about like the Czech Republic or Poland or something and would like 
think that they're not as sophisticated as Germany, but you like go from rural Germany, like no coverage, no coverage, no coverage, get into Poland and there's like 4G everywhere in like the rural area. So like it is a real problem in Germany. It's just like how they describe it and and how they illustrate it and how they talk about it is just super goofy. Shall we move on to... Well, first, we didn't think this even existed, right? Right, right. We should say, yeah, we... We, at our last episode with Corner Spatey, we were like, oh, it sucks that there's only these three-person debates. And then they had like kind of like kids' table debate with the four candidates from the other parties. We were like, well, why can't they all get on stage together and spar? Like, that would be that would be nice. And then the next day after we recorded, they announced that they actually were going to do one. And they did that last night from recording time, Thursday, before the election. So I we made were a couple of calls and, and yeah, and got yeah. Spassbremse has a lot of Janine pull with, uh, <laughs> up on with stage. the German media. <laughs> but yeah, so they had all seven candidates on stage. How? Wait, seven? I thought there were six <laughs> only six main parties, parties in the Bundestag. <laughs> well, the the Union, the CDU CSU combo, um, which acts functionally as one party at the federal level because. The CDU runs in 15 states, excluding Bavaria, and the CSU runs only in Bavaria because they're basically just like a more right-wing CDU. Um, I'll correct myself from last episode. It was Franz Josef Strauss of the CSU in Bavaria. He's the one that said there can be no party to the right of the CSU. Um, and so that was that was his famous utterance. And so they basically are like a little like policy lab for the conservatives nationally of like how right wing you can be in one place. And they're like historically dominant in Bavaria. And so it's effectively the same party. They just have like a slightly more extreme version that runs exclusively in one state. And so they count as two parties, even though at the federal level they act as one, which means for some reason, though, they get two candidates at the debate being Laschet, the actual chancellor candidate, which the CSU is supporting, as well as Marcus Zöder, who is the head of the CSU. And so it seemed a bit unfair to have effectively what's one party get two candidates on stage. You have two of seven people from a single party for a party that's polling at about 25%. It just, it didn't feel very fair, but that's just my gripe. It also looked like Laschet just like brought his babysitter or his like older brother to a yeah yeah it was just like to a, a fight it was like yeah exactly he was just like afraid that he was gonna get the shit kicked out of him so he's like I'm gonna bring my cousin and then yeah. like and then he did uh, and so but I, yeah I think it actually might help Laschet we'll see because like the Union got a more competent face on the stage of the debate to represent them I mean I wouldn't say Zura like exactly shined but like he has like as we talked about he has like um, we talked about with Cornish Beatty, like he has drunk uncle swag. Like he like doesn't say very intelligent things, but he just kind of acts confident in a way that like projects strength. And I think that's what people want, especially from a party like Union. In our debate of seven, they started off with kind of some recent events, which involved discussing this murder that happened a couple days ago where a cashier like, I think the kid was like 20 years old or something is is trying to enforce masking guidelines in the store and one of these right-wing crazy people like 
shoots him and yeah. kills him. It's super fucked up. Yeah. Um, and so they start off the debate like asking like what can be done about hate and violence, which then spun into Lachette saying that everybody's way too mean online. And you're kind of looking at this, like especially as the first question, being like, this is all you've got? Like, a, this like is a your kid, response? A kid was murdered yeah. by a right-wing psychopath. And the problem is like online bullying. I'm like, what part of this situation came from online? Like a physical, like face-to-face interaction happened where someone said, you have to follow these public health rules. And then this other shithead decided the penalty for that was going to be death. And like that, I don't get the online connection there. Like, yeah, maybe the guy read some online conspiracy theories, but it was, it was like such an insufficient way to address a complete tragedy that was like, I found like very offensive actually. Um, My like cynical brain also thinks that Lashett brought this up because in the days prior to the debate, it was released that he had gotten like the most like online harassment on social media. At least he'll win something. Right, yeah, congratulations. Um, And so, like, you know, I don't really care about people harassing politicians online. Like, you know, if it's something violent, like, don't don't say that. But, like, making fun of, like, making fun of politicians. And, like, these are some of the most powerful people in the world. Like, if we can't make fun of them, who can we make fun of? And I think he deliberately brought this up because that will make people then think, like, oh, actually, Lashet's the victim of this online hate. I don't know if he's smart enough to be that cynical, but it it was just very gross overall. Yeah, have to transition out of that one. But we had, oh, I guess we should say the other people on stage. I don't know the name of the AFD bitch. Like, I have no idea what, but she was there. And Janine Visla was of the left party. And it was so refreshing to have her up on stage. I thought she did she's very composed yeah she's she's good like i don't think the linka will do that well in this election but if she's one of the leaders like i hopefully there's a bit of a a bit of a brighter future there like she's very good at delivering a left-wing message in a way that i think might appeal to this like german desire for moderation um i think like yeah she was able to she didn't come off as radical she didn't come off as hostile or radical or like yeah and presented like the counter argument yeah. to every point when she was allowed to. That's another. They were re- the moderators were really cutting her off and strict about time, but then never showing the time bars like they did at other debates. They were like, "Oh, we're keeping it even. Don't worry." But yeah. also at the all the other debates, they give you little updates about who's talked the most and and for how many minutes and seconds. And this one, they didn't do that at all. Which maybe it was too complex for them to do the timer on seven people. Instead of three, I'm not sure. Maybe they don't have the technology <laughs> for, <laughs> for counting how many minutes the main seven pu- people The main talk. public television station of Germany doesn't have seven stopwatches. It's embarrassing. But yeah, you had like the FDP freaking out about inflation. Very typical. Like, infl- as we talked about on the fiscal politics episode, inflation is like very low um, especially in the average of the last 10 years it's very very typical cdu to freak out about this um this was boring like lindner christian lindner of the fdp just kind of doing his uh his typical shtick um talking about oh we need private investment for everything blah 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 blah. 
it wasn't that interesting, but it was at least nice to see like the slightly different faces up there and like arguing about different different stuff that you haven't seen before. So I like, I'm glad they did this. Yeah. Especially when it comes to foreign policy, right? Yes. We, we got for the first time in several debates a foreign policy discussion, which think tankers and other foreign policy people had been freaking out about the lack of foreign policy questions during the last two debates. Like, Some classic meltdowns. Yeah, I made like a Twitter thread with like 15 different like examples of people getting really mad that there wasn't any foreign policy discussion after they already got mad about the week before where that was also true. I get it. Like Germany is kind of an important country. So I kind of get why you'd like say, OK, you know, we should we should talk a little bit more about its role in the world. I think that's especially true with its role in the EU and the euro, because like on the other hand, Germany is not a substantive military player at all. Um, I think it should stay that way. I don't want to see Germany emerge as a world military power. I think that would be very bad for everybody. You know, so I get why it's not the focus of it. And like voters care mostly about the things that affect them and their bottom line and their everyday life. And like China policy really doesn't figure into that very directly. And so, you know, I I get why they don't talk that much that much about foreign policy, but you know, it's good to mention a few things as they did this time. The funny thing was that it seemed like Lashet had been probably paying attention to some of these think tank people on on Twitter or elsewhere because he thanked the moderators for the foreign policy question was like, it's been such a shame that we haven't asked any foreign policy questions in the last few debates. And it was like sucking up to the teacher being like, that's such a great question. I'm so glad you asked. Did you forget the homework? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, shut up, man. And the positions overall were pretty simple and predictable. The Greens are very hawkish on China. You know, we've praised them for their some of their economic policies, which I think, you know, mostly are pretty good, but extremely hawkish on China doing it in this weird way, right, where they're like, oh, we love human rights and like peace and Western values so much that we need to like have a more aggressive military posture. This like this bizarre mix that we talked about how like the green peace movement has morphed into one of the more militarist parties. I really think like this is super emblematic of Bidenism coming to Europe where you're like pretty progressive in terms of domestic spending, but are also using that as grounds to support this broader geopolitical confrontation. And so like that, I think you're seeing like a embryo of that ideology emerge in Germany um, with the pretty good domestic, but pretty bad and aggressive on the foreign front. FDP is a lot more dovish on China. You know, Lindner was like, well, we got to balance our interests and our values. They just want to do business. Um, You know, I, I like the lack of aggressiveness and like militarism, but like they're not doing it for the right reasons. They just want to make more money. Linka made some pretty good critiques. I thought that was decent. Um, yeah, Janine was like, was like, yeah, you know, we're not we're not soft on China. Um, you know, we need to actually like make sure like human rights and and labor rights are embedded in in our trade deals. Like, you know, and actually, actually, kind of talking about a way to to enforce these values that people talk about that isn't just through a military confrontation, but saying like, no, like. If we're going to import goods from them, we should make sure that like labor unions are legal in China and stuff like that, which I thought was reasonable. Schultz, uh, Schultz was pretty funny about this. I think I think you're seeing Bidenism like come in both a kind of green and SPD flavor, um, and this is the SPD flavor. He he thanked the troops for their for their Einsatz for their their 
their deployment, their mission in Afghanistan. He spent like a minute thinking yeah, the troops. He didn't just, he didn't just. So didn't much, just. <laughs> which, which like for our American listeners, I'm sure sounds totally unremarkable in a political debate. <laughs> but like, it's kind of a weird thing. Like people don't like give up their seats on the, the bond here for like the <laughs> troops or something. Um, and like, there's not like a sort of troop worship culture like you've seen emerge in the U.S. in the last 20 years. And then the, this was really stupid. The moderators asked if like a 2% target for NATO's, uh, for defense spending for NATO wasn't enough. And this has been like this big conversation in Germany because you're supposed to spend 2% on defense if you're in NATO, which they like agreed in thinking like 2014 to do this. And Germany hasn't done that. And the U.S. is always bugging them that they need to get to 2%. And they're saying, oh, we'll get there, we'll get there. And they're kind of going up steadily. They say they're on target. Um, but it's pretty controversial to spend that much on defense in a country where you're having a kind of crumbling infrastructure and social safety net, as, again, the, the Linka candidate pointed out. But it was pretty funny for the moderators to be like, well, actually, like, maybe maybe this isn't enough. Maybe we need to do more. Like, I, I don't know who Germany is planning to go to war with. I don't know why we need to spend more than 2% on defense. But apparently that's a, a question that you would ask at a debate. They sure threw it out there. I thought it was smart, too, how Janine... Um, from Linka quoted exact spending amounts too, right? Like it can sound very abstract when you're talking about this 2% goal. And she was like, well, if we're reaching that, that means we're spending 25 million yeah. more. Right, right. Like actual, actual numbers that like could be allocated to other things. And then know. mentioning in the same breath, oh, let's allocate them to Bonland. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get to we'll get to Bonland. This is this is the world we want. This is my term. big takeaway. I yeah. I want Bonland, but sorry, sorry, I'm getting too excited. You can say your other point first. <laughs> yeah, generally the the climate section in this was especially dumb. They asked everyone personally what they're doing about addressing the klima. Um, Zoda is trying to eat less meat, but that's really hard for him because he lives in Bavaria. <laughs> He's such a troll. He's like, he's like, I can't help myself. Like, but I'm trying my best to like reduce down, meat consumption. Cutting down consumption. to four Broadbows today. <laughs> he really looks like he just like shoves Broadbows in his face all day. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Lashet really likes his e-bike. Um, he said being green can be fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was embarrassing. That was no, so like, tough what? to watch. This is like a kid's book. Um, Schultz rides his bike and uh, shops for the regional organic foods. Um, <laughs> cool man. We're gonna we're gonna fix the climate problem by having these like seven really like well-off politicians like slightly change their eating and transportation habits. Uh, Christian Lindner basically tried his hardest not to answer and also did this super disingenuous thing where he says that like, yeah, climate's important and everyone needs to do this, but Germany can't do it alone on climate. Laschet said something similar to this in the previous debate. And this effectively serves as an excuse to stall by blaming other countries for not doing enough on climate. It really, I think, ties into this like German victimhood complex, the way that they talk about Southern Europe and like EU debt. And like the Germans are always bearing the burden and the poor German taxpayer. And how much more can we take to like support all these other lazy countries? It's just not true at all, though, because like Germany is not on track to meet its Paris climate targets. Just super, super cynical. It's what you'd expect from him. But 
And then then Linda said that he uh, offsets his carbon and that he personally is actually entirely carbon neutral. And everyone's like, okay, that. He's dude, like, like shut up. Shut he's like ripping at 200 miles an hour in a Porsche on the Autobahn and then just like does a quick calculation and then like goes on to one of those like fake sites that sponsors says, some says trees. they're going to find trees that don't yeah. actually get planted. Yeah. Cool, man. It's like when you adopt a panda and there's definitely like not that many pandas, but you, <laughs> you pay $5 a month to. Yeah. But we need is like, we need to make like pandas and trees like, uh, a financial asset that you can trade, right? Stop. You want like, no, 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 I want to buy panda shares. Like I want to buy tree shares and then you can like bid up the price. Like that's, uh, that's how we need to fix it. What was, what was uh Bearbox thing about what she personally does? Oh, this was actually so embarrassing. She was like, mm-hmm. in the last seven weeks, I've been riding my campaign bus a lot. And she's like smiling, grinning. Like she had the perfect answer. And well, you're like, wait, what? It's a you, campaign. Like, it's, it's a bus that is specifically chartered for your purposes. And then you're like one, how many people? You're not like a, a public bus. Right. It's just your private. Probably actually more like emissions per person yeah. than. I wouldn't be, I mean, you know, to be fair though, I wouldn't be surprised if like the FDP was just like everyone driving their own G class. Like, or flying, right? Like, yeah, yeah it's not yeah. flying, I but. Could, I could see. I could see like Linder flying from Hamburg to Berlin or something, which is like oh, an definitely. hour and a half train, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, her answer was pathetic and it was a stupid question to begin with. It was a bad question, yeah. Yeah. But um, Michelle, you got excited about Bonland. Do you want to do you want to talk about Janine <laughs> talked about the Bonland? Yeah. So Bonland means train country. <laughs> I guess we should yeah and and janine basically flipped her answer to this question into making the case for um expanded public transit and also making that public transit affordable and saying that we should have as a goal in mind to like be bondland this is what our country is about like we're about trains and we're about d-link it could be pulling at like 35 percent if they just put like Macht Deutschland Bahnland on like every poster. If that was just like their, it's catchy, it's yeah, cute. it's sweet. Everybody wants that. Like even like kind of centrist conservative people like want um like they want the train to run on time. You know, like they, they want good of, trains. All of these retirees with yeah. their bond card 100. fifty or one hundred, like saving, pinching their pennies. Buying their train tickets 17 months in advance to go visit their grandchildren, like they might be swayed by a Bonland. Yeah, I think this is this is the this is the party we need, the program we need for the future if they want to do well. So hopefully, hopefully one day, you know, you might be thinking Germany, they have great trains, they everything works, and it's like okay, it's better than the U.S. of course, but like everything's constantly late. It's just like the service is not very nice. They don't have good dining cars. We need some like nice dining cars, not these shitty board bistros that they have. We need some investment. I yeah, we need we need uh, we need to be a luxury bondland. I would say, luxus bondland. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about it for these debates, isn't it? Do you have anything else? I'm just very glad that's out of my system. I don't want to ever. <laughs> 
<laughs> Watch a trial again. I, I'm, I'm hoping that they can't reach a coalition agreement and we have to have Neuvalen and then we have Stop. to go through the whole thing again. Debate, debate, debate. Don't literally don't say that. Do not speak. I want the about... Freya to clear the threshold <laughs> so we can have a, an, oct an octel with a Freya Vela candidate on there. Jesus. So, yeah. Uh, that's the debates, and at the end of all this, you know these these uh, these candidates up there sparring to be the leader of Germany. What do Germans think about these potential candidates? Uh, a poll that just came out today, actually, um, <laughs> about who they want to see. So, okay, Schultz still polling number one at twenty five percent. I'm pretty good. Uh, coming in at second place, none of the above. <laughs> Um, Christian Lindner, ooh, Christian Lindner coming in at 11%, which I think is funny because the FDP also polls at exactly 11%. And so I think that's the exact same group of people as like, we said like, this is basically just a cult of personality around this one guy. Um, and so I think the reason that the number for the candidate and the number for the party is exactly the same is just him because you don't see that at all. For example, like Baerbach, only 10% want her to be Kanzlerin, um, but like we said, about 16% is is supporting the party. Laschet, hilariously, is at only 9%. Um, the like traditional national party of government has such an unpopular candidate that less than a tenth of the country actually wants to see him hold the chancellery. So pretty hilarious there. I don't really understand this. Like, So if there's 23, 22% or whatever, people say that they're voting CDU, but like half of them who say that they're voting for CDU don't even want their candidate to be chancellor. They just like. That's how automatic it is, I think, to vote for this party is like he's eroded some of their support. But like it's just so normal for so much of this country to just like CDU and you take it because like most people aren't you're not, not like voting directly for the yeah. chancellor. Right. And so they're just like, whatever. They're the continuity party. I'm just going to vote for them no matter what. So someone who is this horrendously unpopular. Like, for example, Merkel has like 70 or 80 percent approval ratings. Like and so like lash it with nine percent of the people want him to be chancellor. Like that's abysmal. And it shows you just the strength and the inertia of the CDU. I think that someone so unpopular can lead this party and they'll still do relatively OK, like poor by historical standards for them. But like still close to a quarter of the population will vote for that party. Nobody wants the clown. They just want stability they want stability yeah. yeah anyways uh that's enough debate breakdown everybody should come on down tomorrow to see us live with cornish Beatty for election results there will also be a live stream the event and stream link and times everything is in the show notes and on twitter of course yeah we'll post it on twitter as well you can follow us at spasbremse underscore pod uh, yeah, should be fun. Come down. We got some. We got some prizes. We got some games. You can hear our official predictions, and then we can all make fun of each other the rest of the night for who got it most wrong. Uh, I gave a little bit of mine away, but but I'll give you the full the full prediction once we get there. Um, yeah, thanks a lot. See you guys soon. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.